This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. We now put little mini clips on SoundCloud. So if you listen to the whole pod and there's a little few funny things that you like out of it, head on over to our SoundCloud, which is exactly the same, Game Time Podcast on SoundCloud. And there's little clips, best bits, bits that didn't make it into the pod, bits that didn't make it into other pods over the year. We've got little blooper sections there. So feel free to check that out and give it a like and follow us if you do on there as well. They're also posted on Twitter. So go and follow us at Time underscore pod to catch all of those. We also are really fancy and we have a Gmail account. So go and head over to whatever email you use, gametimepodcast1 at gmail.com. Any questions, any unpopular opinions, any reviews or previews you want us to look at, send us questions there or use the hashtag GameTime on Twitter. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game Time Extra. Alan's unfortunately been called into work late, so it's just like the old days, me and Tim. Tim, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you very much. Right, so we have got a lot of Champions League stuff to get through. Obviously, last two days have been Champions League heavy. Let's start with not a great result for Manchester United, and especially with the performance. They lost 1-0 to Juve at Old Trafford. A lot of talking points out of that game. Let's start with the obvious one. United looked poor again, didn't they? They really did. Um, it's like they need to be behind to realise that they actually need to play good football. Um, they went 1-0 down to Chelsea and ended up coming back, leading 2-1. Obviously, we then scored like the 95th minute. But they looked a shambles. Um, then Dybala scored second half. They looked like they sort of came back a bit. Martial started playing okay. They were looked at just, you know, subpar, like such poor quality from a, you know, a team that has potential to actually play really well. But um, something's got to change in that United team because they cannot continue playing at that standard in the Champions League. No, I think especially against the calibre of opponents that they were against in Juventus, who played unbelievably well. I think I saw a stat in the first half, maybe half an hour in. They had 78% possession yeah. away from it, home. That's like a, what Man United should be getting against Huddersfield or something, not you know having Oof. against them in the, in the Champions League. I mean, Juve were so good and 1-0 is not fair on their result because they showed they were so good going forward. Like, Dybala was sensational, but their midfield bossed it. Ronaldo is Ronaldo, always comes up with a shot. And then their fullbacks as well are like hidden gems. Sandro and Cancelo are like a key to that Juventus team. They looked so good. But then when there was like 10 minutes left and they brought, they went to three at the back, changed the formation up and, you know, saw the game off really well. They showed that they can do all aspects of, uh, of the game, which is why I think loads of people are tipping them to actually win the title because mm. they looked so strong. Yeah, they're a perfect team in terms of the defence, like Mourinho said after in his press conference, 
Bonucci and Chiellini could go to Harvard to teach defending. That's how good they are. Yeah. The mid the midfield looks really solid now. You've got players like Matuidi and Bentancur who are just solid all round midfielders. And then, like you mentioned, when you've got Ronaldo, Dybala, and Co up front, you don't really need to worry about scoring goals. And it, Ronaldo created the goal. Yes, maybe slightly unfortunate if you're Manchester United and Chris Smalling, who looks like he read the cross and got across to it. It deflected off to Dybala, who who finished it past De Gea. But it's scary if you're Manchester United, bearing in mind they have failed to score in consecutive home Champions League games for the first time since November 2005, obviously drawing 0-0 oh. with Valencia before. That's that's not fun if you're a United fan, Danny. No, um... not at all. <laughs> I mean, you're still second in the table. Like, you look like you should get through to the uh, knockout stages. But, I mean, if, even if you come up against, I don't know, like a sort of mediocre team, you genuinely look like you might struggle because your defence just isn't good enough. Lindelof had a good game, to be he fair did. to him. Like, he's had a load of stick over the past, uh, well, over this season. And rightly so, I think. But he did play really, really well. Um, but, there's no sort of defence coming from midfield. Pogba and Matic were about 70 yards apart for the entire match. Mm-hmm. Um, which meant that yeah, players like Dybala and Pjanic can just tear them apart. Um, and then defence isn't good enough to hold on. Like The first goal was unlucky. Cuadrado did really well at the near post to sort of not really get to the ball, but like to mm-hmm. put the defender off. And then it was just a tap-in for Dybala. But um, yeah, I mean, they had... 2-0 saved by a fantastic De Gea wonder stop from uh, Ronaldo's shot. Um, so that could have been 2-0 and there were various other chances where they could have you know, ripped Manchester United defences open. But um, no, very worrying. And it's like they do need to go defend. They need to... They go 1-0 down and then start showing what sort of, you know, for about five minutes spells that they can be a good team. But they need to be doing that from the first minute, not in the 45th when they're already losing. Does that come from their 1-0 down so the players just take charge on the pitch and, and take a few more risks, as opposed to at the beginning of the game, they're so stuck and cemented to the way Mourinho wants them to play and defend that maybe they can't play with that freedom until they go behind? I honestly don't know, because at Chelsea at the weekend, they looked like the the team talk at half-time sort of spurred them on to come back at us. But then... Sort of this match, it, it didn't seem like it was a team talk, but um, you know, if Mourinho can't inspire, inspire his players before the game, maybe he's not doing it at half time. Maybe it's uh, you know, one of the players in the dressing room being like, "All right, we need to step it up now," or someone says to so get on back onto the pitch, like, "Right, we need more effort here, and we need to start closing down and actually try and you know get a goal back." So it's very difficult to tell whose influence it actually is, um, but. You know, they, they, at least they are showing signs of being able to get back into games. Um, but against, yeah, against a, a team like Juventus, who are, I think, probably top two, I think, along with Barca, favourites to win this, to win the Champions League this year, they haven't got a chance. <laughs> like Mourinho said, in a very honest post-match press conference, they're miles ahead. Not what you want to hear from a manager who spent £400 million whilst at the club, but yeah. refreshingly honest. We're going to have to talk about the fact that Ronaldo came back to Old Trafford. Granted, he didn't score, but the man looks as good as ever. Hit a 
powerful free kick. That shot you mentioned earlier tipped over the bar. How did you rate his performance? First things first, he went and applauded all the uh, Man United fans after the game. So it still shows his respect for Man United. That's where his career sort of began. Um, so I was quite concerned that Ronaldo wasn't starting his uh, time at Juventus very well. I think he might be dropping off a bit. He clearly uh, didn't start his preseason very well, didn't score that many goals, got that red card that everyone was talking about. But he's looked back into it just so smoothly. He's back to you know how good he has been for his entire career. Um, with the team behind him, with a great defence, uh, a player like Pjanic who averages just under four key passes per game, which is huge because the chances they create are staggering. Uh, and then playing alongside a player like Dybala as well, who will be one of the best players in the world. Uh, Ronaldo genuinely looks to be back at his best. And um, he is the difference when Real Madrid struggled in Champions League matches where they weren't playing great. Ronaldo scored the winner and put them through. Um, Juventus have now got him. And you've got to see them as favourites for this tournament. It sounds cliche to say, but Ronaldo just makes them that extra step. You feel sorry for players like Mario Mandzukic, especially with the bicycle kick he scored in in the final when he came up against Ronaldo at Real Madrid. But he just adds that little bit of something different, a little bit of a flavour, a little bit of a different flavour. One thing that I wanted to mention briefly before we move on, obviously United... They're not on time a lot. They've been fined already this year in the Champions League for arriving late. And they arrived okay. late. Yeah, they, so they arrived late against Valencia and they got fined. They arrived late against Juventus as well. The difference being that the players arrived late. Jose didn't. He, in the pre-match press conference, which I thought was quite funny, said he just grabbed a hoodie and just walked amongst the fans and no one noticed him. Which I thought was quite, which I thought was quite interesting, to be fair. Um, They've been flying Ryanair. Is that why they're all delayed? Um, <laughs> that, that's so weird that Mourinho literally just walks in among the fans. Maybe they do see him. They're just so annoyed at him. They don't want to talk to him. Um, or he's or he's not as famous as he once thought he was. Like everyone's <laughs> like, why is Jose Mourinho wearing a hat and a hoodie? Like we can see him. <laughs> um, yeah, they thought uh, he's got too much grey hair now. They're remembering what he looked like back in two thousand and five. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. I just like that's probably a big deal as well. Like it's not great rocking up to a you know a huge like Champions League match late. So you're having to rush around, you know, you don't have the perfect time to get comfortable to get set. So maybe that's a problem they're having as well. But I mean, is it that difficult to get a, a sort of team of players and staff to a venue on time when you've got, you know, it's the you know, the massive amount of money to do it and stuff like and they had the home. They've been the home side for both games. It's not like they're traveling <laughs> from. It's not like they're traveling from Turin. Like you don't, you can understand if like a flight got delayed. They're literally driving around the corner from a hotel, which leads me to believe. I don't know. Maybe they, they just, just really mean... like their their holiday and breakfasts. Yeah, that, they, um, they really do. Help you all you can eat buffet in the in the morning. They have like ten sausages and then realize, oh wait, no, I need to get to the match. <laughs> Which would explain why it takes them 75 minutes to actually start running. Yeah, they've all um, got stitches and indigestion. Not good for Manchester United, especially bearing in mind they had only six shots, which is the least amount of shots they've had in a Champions League game since they played Bayern back in 2014. Ooh. Not good. The only chance they got of any note was Paul Pogba fashioning a shot which hit the inside of the post and then hit the back of Szczesny's face. That could have gone and in, though. It could have. And honestly, from a United 
point of view, it seems like Pogba does this weird thing where for the first half, he doesn't have a very good game. And then it's like he gives himself a little talking to and goes, no, no, come on, let's let's pick it up for the second half. And then becomes this like completely different player. Like he got so angry against Chelsea when he let Rudiger nod the ball in. And then for the rest of the game was was very solid. So if you're a United fan, I guess you've got that going for you. <laughs> well, the Pogba plays well sort of for half of the match. Yeah. Um, think what he'd be worth if he played all the match. He could have been worth 150 million quid. Um, exactly. And that still would have yeah, been a bargain. This is a thing. I think this is how he played all at Juventus, though. Just everyone always saw the good stuff. It's like he, he shows how good he can be, but he never seems to get, only on occasion, he seems to give these like 90 minute incredible performances. Um, but. I don't know. It's just you can't leave him out of your team because he is so good um, when he plays well. But I just think I think he needs to be in a three in midfield with sort of two because like when he when he played at Juventus, um, he had like Marquisio, uh, Andrea Pirlo, and like Vidal playing with him. Mm. And so he had four central midfielders, so he could just do what he wanted and show how good he was. Now he's just playing alongside Matic who is a good defensive midfielder, but, you know, he's got to do so much more grunt work, and it's in the, obviously, a more difficult league as well. Um, and, he, and he ain't Pirlo. And he ain't, <laughs> he ain't no Pirlo. He could, I could play alongside Pirlo and look quite good. The man, <laughs> the, the man just... And not in the sense that Pirlo is so bad that I look good. In the sense that the man is so good at football that he can make anyone look good. And again, I'm not saying that Pogba is terrible at football, but Andrea Pirlo did a lot for that team that I don't think a lot of people picked up on. Briefly, before we move off the Man United-Juve game, Martial, literally within the last couple of hours, has rejected a new contract at United. Is that very bad news? I mean, oh, he's looked really good. In, he, looked, he looked incredible in the Chelsea match. He scored twice. Uh, he looked good at periods against Juventus because he was the one player that took the ball and moved it forward and you know ran at defenders. Um, I think in prospect he's really good, but it's the same sort of same problem when um, Mourinho sold matter at Chelsea is that you know he wasn't playing, so it's not a massive loss if he actually leaves. I just think his potential is so good and he does bring a lot when he's playing well. Um, but I don't know. I think you'll struggle to find a player like him. Especially if he leaves in January, um, to to fill his spot. Yeah, no, definitely. An interesting thing about that Martial thing is that when he scored those two goals against Chelsea, he'd scored three goals from three shots on target. So very clinical. It sh- shows that he's yes, very clinical, but also that he doesn't actually have any other chances because he's only had three shots, but he scored all of them. So. Look at that one, whichever way you want. But yeah, United still sits second in that group. Juve pretty much taking control of it now after that 1-0 win. A team that aren't looking too steady in their group, Spurs. And we don't need to really overanalyze where things have gone wrong in this game. Calories. <laughs> yes, <laughs> literally took the word <laughs> straight out of my mouth. Spurs looked comfortable. They... They went 1-0 down to PSV after an uncharacteristic mistake from Alderweireld, but came back into the game through Lucas Moura and then a really good header from Harry Kane. And then for no apparent reason, 
Lloris just sprints off his line and two foots Herving Lozano when <laughs> when two defenders were around. I can only assume the man is still intoxicated because there's <laughs> no other there's no other reason why you have to do that. I mean, I saw someone tweeted that like they think that Lloris has lost like two yards of pace or something because your decision making doesn't become this bad overnight. Um, yeah, he had a suspension and obviously like the sort of psychological effect that that might have. But he just reckons that he's gotten slower, so he keeps thinking he can make these tackles and just sort of <laughs> doesn't. But then it has no explanation for because that explains the other one a few weeks ago. But um, this one makes no sense why he just like dived in two-footed to try and get the ball. Um, I, I think he thinks he's Superman or something. Um, he's seen he's seen Usain Bolt over in Australia playing football, and he thought, you know what, I can become a sprinter. If, if, <laughs> yeah, if Usain's playing play football, Harry Kane. Yeah, not not good from the uh, from the Spurs goalkeeper, and of course that two-all draw against PSV really really makes it difficult for them to get out of that group. They're mm. third in the table now, um, behind Barcelona, who beat Inter Milan two 0 Do you think that Spurs Champions League season over? Uh, I mean, mathematically, it's still possible. They need to beat Inter and PSV uh, in the next round of games and then hope that uh, Inter lose to PSV. So, mm. you know, it's still possible, but I just don't, I don't think they'll get through. Um, I think they'll really struggle. Like, I wouldn't put it past them if they get a grip in the next few weeks and have some good performances in the league. Um, they need to step up from everyone. Uh, you know, they might do it, but they need a lot of luck. Um I think they'd really struggle. I don't think. I think it will probably might benefit them in the Premier League to have to not be in the Champions League because I think they um, Spurs need a bit of a reset and uh, just need to focus on one thing. So maybe it'd be good for them. And that you know we talked about uh, in the summer how they made no signings. Um, maybe they just don't have the squad depth for it either. Uh, well, obviously, so maybe, if... you know, just focus on the Premier League might be really good. Yeah, that's a good shout. But obviously, if they finish third, they'd drop down into the Europa League. So that's a good point. I mean, um, North North London derby Europa League final. Who knows? Uh, Chelsea are going to be in it, so it's all right. <laughs> that London Europa yeah. League derby. Yeah, and then Tottenham will still lose. Um, maybe, <laughs> and then, but I suppose it's less. The Europa League is, you know, less difficult because the uh, opposition is not quite as good for um, a majority of the tournaments. So maybe that that still will help them because they can play. You know, maybe Kane doesn't need to start all of those matches, um, and they can leave players out. So. I don't know, maybe it will help them, but they do need a bit of a reset and a bit of a... It's like they all sort of need a couple of weeks off and just go, right, right, Hugo, just, you know, this is your goal. You stay there, give him a chair or something, <laughs> um, sit, him, sit him down and then just sort of need a reset and go back to how they were playing last year. Um, they just need a bit of a think. The, class, the classic international break wasn't enough of a time off for them. No. They, they do. This, maybe they want, they're waiting for that winter break that's going to be introduced later in the season. They're just clinging on for that. Um, just really excited for Christmas. <laughs> I mean, we briefly mentioned the Barcelona Inter game. And I said on Twitter earlier, well, yesterday evening when I watched the game, that we probably would have spent 45 minutes on this, this piece of video. <sighs> but Brozovic is defending for Luis Suarez's free kick is the greatest thing I have ever seen. Because not only does he have the peace of mind to just slide in behind the wall, but 
but he does it so elegantly, like he's just sitting down on a sofa. I know he looks like James Bond or like Tom Cruise <laughs> at a Top Gun or something. Like he's so cool. Um, <laughs> it's like it's sort of like you know year six defending tactics when you get like everyone to stand and then one person lie down like in front of the wall except he does it behind it as far as doesn't realize um i mean it wouldn't have worked if messi was playing because messi would have just gone over the top and parody in the top corner but it's so clever from brozovic um and it's just something that you wouldn't ever think of no he did it twice in that game as well I, the <laughs> first time yeah the first time i don't think it actually hit him i think the wall it blocked it was blocked by the wall but second time he did it and yeah fair play to him i mean didn't make a difference in the end. Barcelona still won. No Messi, no problem for them. They're they're taking control of that. But yeah, I thought that was quite a nice little uh, funny thing from yeah. that. Can you game. Imagine if the wall just hadn't jumped and he was just sat there lying there for no reason, <laughs> playing everyone on side. Um, <laughs> right, moving on to another Italian team, and another funny thing happened in this game. But we'll we'll mention that after we go in depth. PSG Napoli, PSG. Scored a really good goal, Di Maria. Oh, fantastic, stunning. fantastic effort to save a point for them against Napoli after they were 2-1 down. And this is what I wanted to focus on. Not so much the game itself, but is PSG's domestic league making it too difficult for them to compete? They are running away with Liga. I think they're eight points clear of Liga. Lille are in second place. They are scoring goals for fun. Do you think because it's too easy. When they come up against European teams, like we saw against Liverpool, like we've seen against Napoli, that they're going to struggle. I mean, yeah, it must be, because you'd think that if a team like, well, like, I don't know, Man City had, uh, were in like a, t- a league like League One, um, League One, they would have, be able to rest so many more players. So when it came to these you know, huge Champions League matches, they could have their best squad out. But as opposed to, you know, having to play the best team week in, week out. But it must be. Like, I think they've got, you know, that PSG team have got huge characters in it. They've got Cavani, they've got Neymar. Those type of players that can get a little bit cocky and a little bit arrogant and think during, you know, domestic matches, they'll be like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, relax and just I've got enough skill to, to beat these teams, which in fairness they have. But it's just they're not... They don't look at 100% when they get into these matches. Um, I think PSG's defence suffers more than anything because they don't have the practice against top quality opposition. Um, And, you know, they didn't have Thiago Silva against um, Napoli. And they just looked a little bit, you know, out of touch. They have Kimpembe and Marquinhos, who are both relatively young, both talented, but against... uh, sort of free-flowing Napoli team with Insigne and Mertens up front, you know, their defence really struggles. Like, they struggled against, um, is it Liverpool they played a few mm. weeks ago? Um, against these free-flowing attacking teams, they do really, really seem to struggle. Um, their midfield isn't great. Verratti is a very strong player um, going forward, but defensively, still not great. And Rabiot, honestly, doesn't look like the sort of prospect that everyone thinks he is at the moment. Um I just think all around as a team, they do genuinely struggle. And it probably is because they don't have the quality of opposition and therefore they don't have the practice. Um, so when they come against these big teams, you know, they don't know how to perform. Do you think that's going to be their ultimate downfall in the Champions League trophy avoiding them? Um, 
I think their downfall is their defence, um, and that yeah might be a direct result of their league not being good enough. Um, there are other factors in that as well, but I I just don't like they don't look like winning it. Like going forward, they do show signs of class, and obviously Mbappe is their best player at the moment. He looks genuinely really good and a goal threat, but um, Cavani has his days and then has you know off days where he's very quiet. Neymar genuinely hasn't looked the player he once was especially at Barcelona talks of him moving uh, next summer as well to possibly Real Madrid or back to Barcelona um, God knows how much money that'll be for but, um, <laughs> yeah I they just don't quite they don't look at the same standard as the Juve's the uh, Barcelona's or even the Man City's and I think they can do for sure they've got the players to do it but I think it's it's all about playing teams in a weird way, like the UEFA Nations League that they've brought in. It's no fun for teams to just bulldoze other teams week in, week out, because you don't learn from that. But if you play teams consistently that are on your level, you'll learn to play better. And I think that's what's going to hinder PSG. They are so far and away better than anyone in Liga, and especially with the fact that Monaco have massively dropped off the pace this year they pretty much have already won the league. Yeah. And and that's not... Why is that a good incentive? Because when they get into these Champions League games, yes, they're full of confidence, but then it hits them with the harsh reality that these teams they're playing against are not just going to sit back and let them hammer them for 90 minutes. No, it looks like... It's like trying to play FIFA on semi-pro. Like, <laughs> sort of go and score six goals and then end up with a transfer budget of £70 million every year and just go and buy a superstar. Like, it's really easy and it's just not... Yeah, they just don't have the competition. Um, so, it's like that... Um, is it the the women Benfica women's team that go and win 28 nil matches and stuff? And they're a bit like yeah. that and they sort of need to be promoted from Liga. Um, there is a thing on FIFA where you can transfer teams to other leagues and I've um, put PSG in for the Premier League. And uh, it's a lot more of a matchup for them. Yeah. Imagine a, a lot more of a, a different journey for them. They won't be winning 5 or 6 nil every single game. No. Uh, elsewhere in that group, Liverpool beat Red Star Belgrade. Not really much to say from this game. Fabinho played really, really well. He's started to come into the team now. And Salah scored twice. Yeah, good for Just him. A, he needed that. Yeah, a routine evening for Liverpool, to be honest. Because, yeah, like you said, Salah scored against Huddersfield last week, though, to be fair. But needs to just get a little bit of his form back, I think. Yeah, it's, think it's, it's, his, it's his confidence in front of goal that he's lacking. Because his build-up play has still been pretty good. It's just his finishing really hasn't been there. So, it's good for him. But, I mean, BBC Sport tweeted being like, oh, uh, Salah repays Klopp's faith in him. And then Lineker, Gary Lineker replied to being like, no, he scored 50 goals in 65 games. That's why he's starting. Um, yeah. So, like, we know he can do it. It's just about him getting back into it a bit. But, I mean, it, I mean, they were playing a bit of a different formation, weren't they? They sort of had Salah up front with Firmino behind him and then Shakiri and Mane on the, on the wing. So, uh, maybe just a Sha- switch of information helps a little bit. Shakiri looked really good as well. And he is really granted, good. Granted, they're against Red Star Belgrade. I don't think you can take too much away from that because no. they're not a... They're not a great team, but Firmino looked really good and obviously opened the scoring. And he's been directly involved in 19 Champions League goals since last season, which is more than any other player in the Champions League. He's just a he's just he's such a great find for Liverpool because he can play up front and he can hold the ball up. He can score goals. He can uh, have great interlinking play. Um, 
and then you can, like we've seen, we can sort of play in a cam role as well. Um, just such a great buy for Liverpool. It's been genuinely one of the best signings, I think, possibly ever. Fair. Along with Salah. A big shout. A big shout. And he's got great teeth. <laughs> I didn't know what you were going to say there. <laughs> yeah, he's, I'm, not, I'm not. There's nothing wrong with that. He's got great teeth. One thing that I forgot to mention at the end of the PSG Napoli game was the little funny thing that I found as well. So I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Mbappe was running down the wing, and oh, he, is this the Koulibaly cut, thing? Yeah, he cuts inside, and Koulibaly has no want to try and defend him, so just shoves Mario Roy into the path of where Mbappe's <laughs> running, which I thought was great. I, I saw another perspective on this. I saw that like it was that Koulibaly's become such a good defender that he saw that um, Roy was that sort of like out of position when Mbappe like cut back. And so Rue was way out of place. He just pushed him towards the ball and it ended up actually winning the ball back off on Mbappe. Like, it's a new level of defending. It's getting people to do the defending for you. Um, <laughs> that's how, he's, that's he's how like good he is. transcended defending and he just gets everyone else to do it for him. Um, and that, you know, like he's, he's become the next generation of defender. Oh, that's, if there's that's one way to stop Mbappe that, you know, it's push other people into him. <laughs> like, just turn it into Street Fighter for no There's apparent reason. Be, like, kids, like, under eight games now, they're just full of, like, teammates pushing each other over. It's like, go and defend <laughs> him, I'm over here. Like, <laughs> Which uh... we do not endorse. No, do not please endorse. don't do that. You will get sent off for attacking your own teammates. Shoulder to shoulder, that's fine. <laughs> um, anyway, back on topic. Dortmund absolutely humbled Atletico Madrid four goals to nil. And the thing that I wanted to pick up from this game as well, Jaden Sancho, <laughs> man, man is balling. He can do whatever he wants. He averages a goal or assist every 39 minutes and the man doesn't even start most of the games. Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, how the, one of the how he's not starting is um, beyond me because uh, he's, you know, with a record like that, which is, I think, is it still the best in Europe's top five leagues at the moment? Like, uh, he's, I'm, he's, I'm not sure yeah, but yeah he's but, I mean, right it's one of the best it's like ridiculous and how he's not starting Dortmund have got a very good squad and a very deep squad like they've got a lot of players um, but because they've got like Pulisic and Royce um, but like he's just doing so well and it's so great to see English well one English youth succeeding but English players succeeding over, uh, abroad as well because it happens so rarely Um that to see it happening, you know, and getting the chance is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's taken that chance with both hands and deservedly got himself back into the England squad. Do you think someone in England's going to come calling for him back to the Premier League? Oh, I think so, probably. I mean, it's the type of thing, obviously, English teams love having English players in them because it's one, well, you know, one extra spot filled that they don't have to fill with, um, like, one of the uh, homegrown talent spots things uh, or national spot uh, positions that they'd have to fill with someone else so I'm sure even if he doesn't go you know next season if he has a great season this season he might end up going but um, I reckon it's not long before he ends up back in the Premier League Um, whether or not that'll work out for him whether he'll want to stay abroad I don't know but you know someone's definitely going to be interested in the summer Elsewhere seems like Dortmund is very much a hub for youngsters Uh, so Hakimi who's on loan from Real Madrid He's a defender, can play right or left back. He got a hat-trick of assists from left back. <laughs> That's mental in itself. Um, so, so good. Who are they playing? 
Dortmund played Atletico Madrid. Oh, I was going to say it's like if, if they're against a team that's uh, not particularly great, so they, the fullbacks can get forward. But against a team like Atletico, gee, that's in stats just ridiculous. Such and, a good result for them as well. And not at all a weakened Atletico Madrid side. No, there was it. It was basically a full strength, a full strength Atletico side, and a full strength. The game ended four nil, right? And and I think this is why Dortmund have done so well this year. Paco Alcacer, who is their top scorer, has scored basically all of his goals from the bench. The man has not scored; doesn't need to start. He just comes off the bench and scores. In that game. Of the four goals they scored, three of them came from the bench. Sancho got one and Rafa Guerrero got the other two from the bench. So, clearly, whatever they're doing in Dortmund, it impacts when players come off the bench. And that's, re- that's a good thing to have. They've adopted Eddie Jones's England rugby tactic of like having finishes from the bench. Like, like I'm looking at their squad now. Like Their first 11 is quite strong. Admittedly, it's not full strength. They could have a couple players in there, but then their bench is just as strong. Like they've got yeah. Guerrero, Toprak, Sancho, Weigel, uh, Philippe all on the bench with players like Gertz of Royce, Bitzel, Piszczek, uh, all playing. So it's just that, yeah, like they've got such a strong squad. And I think that is very underrated in today's sort of uh, football is having a really strong squad that has rotation as opposed to just having a really good 13, 14 players. Yeah. But no matter how hard Dortmund try, Paco Alcacer will never be better than Michael Ricketts. Michael <laughs> Ricketts. Paco Alcacer is a poor man's Michael Ricketts. Don't even at me on that one. <laughs> Move, moving on from the Dortmund Atletico game and a game that I want to talk about just purely because I think it really highlights how difficult Real Madrid have found this transition from Zidane football. They beat Pleasant at home, two goals to one, but they made real hard work of it. They're, they're really struggling this, this season, aren't they? Um, I, think, I think, you know, it's the tra- you're right, the transition from Zidane football, I think they are genuinely suffering from not having Ronaldo there anymore. I think that sort of their support is suffering a little bit. They don't look as confident. Like, the team's still good. Like, they've got Bale and Isco on the wings. Like, Asensio still there, like they still got Modric and Cruz. They still got an incredible team, but they just seem to be making it so difficult for themselves. Um, and I genuinely don't know what's going on. Yeah, they've looked, they've looked really lackluster, and this year they're seventh in La Liga. They lost that, to which La... is mental. Yeah. Seventh. They like, lost. That, I don't think they've been that low in. Five years at least. I, I don't remember the last time they were consistently that low. They, they lost to Levante. And in the first half, Levante had two shots and scored both of them. So very FIFA-esque, but it's re- really weird to see them. I mean, they won. We're talking as if they lost. They won. They're top of that group with six points. It's not... But you'd expect them to be winning it four or five nil comfortably with the second team. Exactly. And the fact that that is six points out of three games. Remember, they lost to CSK Moscow. So they've, they've got to be careful in that, in that group because Roma, they won 3-0 against Moscow. They're second. They can beat Madrid 
And if Moscow get another lucky result, you could see the four-time champions back-to-back-to-back-to-back champions go out in the group stage, which is mental. Yeah, I I mean, I don't think that'll happen. But, I mean, I think... Yeah, I think Bale's lacking from not having played for the past few years consistently. Um, I think they're really struggling with a striker, which we'll get onto in a second. Um, And they just don't look like a team. They never have looked like... They've all obviously always been compared to Barcelona. Barcelona have always been like seen as a team with their style of play. And Madrid have always been seen as a group of individuals, I think. Mm. Um, and now that Ronaldo's gone, their main goal scorer, they do just look to be really struggling. Yeah, really struggling. Now, you mentioned the striker, and this is a very controversial question, but feel free to, to hash it out whichever way you want. So Real Madrid unbeaten their last 27 group stage games at the Santiago Bernabeu. There is no doubting that they're a quality team with quality players. But is Karim Benzema a dark horse in that team? And is he one of the best Champions League strikers of all time? And I base this purely off the statistic that his goal against Pleasant puts him in the fourth position for the most goals scored in, the champ- in Champions League history. He beat Ruud van Nistelrooy with that goal. I think, oh, it's mental because it's so, you would never think if you said top goal scorers in the Champions League, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't think Benzema. Like, but you've got to think how dominant Madrid have been, um, and yeah, it's Ronaldo that takes the headlines. But Benzema's always chipped in with a lot of goals, and that's why he's up there. And I mean, if you're placing it purely off stats, I suppose you do have to consider him one of the best strikers in Champions League history, but. He does. His form has dropped off massively over the last two or three years. Um, there's been constant links with him moving away, but like you've got to remember how good he was. Like he was considered one of the best strikers in the world for a very long time, and again, that's why his goal tally is so high. But I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can consider him one of the best strikers in history, just because he hasn't been performing at that level for a very long time. And I think. If Madrid had a player like Cavani in their team, um, who offers maybe more of a physical threat, better in the air, uh, and maybe better finishing as well, they might, you know, be scoring more goals or have been scoring more goals. Um, so it's a very interesting argument whether you put him in that class or like whether he's not quite as good because of the team he's been playing in. But you know, you, you do have to remember how good he genuinely was and how, you know, how popular he was as well. Because a lot of people do love him. Um, Obviously, that has diminished slightly in all the France, you know, issues True. have uh, taken their toll as well. Um, but no, it's mental how he's got another fourth in the world rankings, and he's still only thirty. Yeah, he, and this is even more incredible. He's thirty years old. He's now become only the third player in history to score in fourteen European campaigns in a row. And let that settle in. That means he was 17 years old when he scored his first Champions League goal and then has not not scored random double negative. He has not failed to score in a Champions League campaign since he was 17 years old. That's, that is is just ridiculous. Um, like imagine Jadon Sancho now scoring in the next like 13, 14 seasons. Like it's ridiculous. Um, again, like he's... Only uh, he's played. He started his career. Well, he started his mainstream career at uh, Lyon, and then moved to Madrid. And he's been at Madrid for what since 2009. So, like he's been playing 
his football in at big clubs playing good football. But to score a goal in the Champions League for 14 years straight is just ridiculous. Yeah, and and the fact that he's maintained his position in that Real Madrid team, despite all of the legends of the game, Ronaldo and co, that have gone around him. And I think, from my point of view, I think that's what's more impressive. In the team that Benzema has been in, he has never been number one, despite being their central striker. He has never been the striker that they've wanted to put the ball into to score goals. He's always been there as like a sidekick to Ronaldo and co. So I think, if anything, that makes it even more impressive that he scored that many goals because he's had to almost pick up the scraps from when whoever it is didn't score. He scored 57 goals and 107 appearances in the Champions League. That's mental. I know it is. And it must be showing sort of the manager at the time, whoever it is, that he is, you know, good in training. Because I think the closest he's ever really been to getting dropped for a long period of time was when Higuain was at Real Madrid. Uh, and then he sort of showed that he was better than Higuain. Uh, mm. And they sold Higuain off. So, like, you know, he must be proving that he is, you know, worthy because he, he plays the majority of matches. Um, and I mean, like, majority, like, it's at least, especially now, about 85%, I think. Um, even when Ronaldo was playing, like, Benzema was getting the team over Bale. Um, and then Isco came and, you know, Isco was getting the team over Bale and it was Benzema, Isco and Ronaldo. And, like, he's a mainstay of that Madrid team, so he must be showing, he must be, you know, important to how they play and uh, must impress the managers in training or something. But it just supposed to just shows you the dip in form that he's had over the past couple of years. Yeah. It shows you that is it like, you know, it's a different form and he's still one of, I suppose, the greats of, the great strikers of recent times, I suppose. Yeah. It, you know what? It's an enigma is the best way of saying it because mm. he is clearly a very good striker. His goal scoring record says that, but maybe he hasn't been the best Champions League or the fourth best Champions League striker of all time. There are other players on no. this list below him who I would say are better players. But I was going to put you up against Alan in this mini quiz, but it's just you. So treat this, <laughs> esen- treat this essentially like the chase on ITV, other TV channels and quiz shows are available. It's just a very good one. Um, can you name the three players that are above Karim Benzema in the Champions League scoring charts? I'll try my best, Bradley. Right. <laughs> um, um, that's such a difficult question because I genuinely haven't looked at the list and I don't know who will be. Is it? Is Champions League not like... Champion, Champions sort? League, yeah, no. Uh, well, according to this, they have... They have gone for non-Champions League as well, but all of the ones above him have only been in the Champions League era. Okay. So, Ronaldo. Yes, Cristiano Ronaldo is top. 120 yeah. goals and 154 appearances <laughs> in the Champions League. Christ almighty. There's, there's a case for him being the best ever Champions League player in history. Which is definitely a pod we could actually do. That might that would make yeah, a good game we'll... time extra. We'll get onto that another time. Yeah. Um, so I think Messi will be above him as well. Yeah, Messi is second. He's got 105 and 127, which is actually a better goal return. Uh, sorry, a, a better goal rate than Ronaldo. I'm not doing the maths in my head. I'm not that good. It's just in front of me. He averages... What percent, Danny Bradley? <laughs> Danny Bradley. He averages 0.83 goals per game. Ronaldo's 0.78. So just slightly above it. Okay. 
Um, see, this, now, this is where it gets difficult. It's trying to name the third player. Yes. Um, Would you like a clue? Yes, please. So, he played for Real Madrid as well, but did not finish his career there. See, I want. I was gonna go with someone like Kaka, which that that, that then works for. But I don't know mm, if K- he scored that many goals. Kaka was very prolific for like one season for Milan. Yeah, he, he's twenty first. He's joint with Rooney, thirty goals. Yeah, it's gonna be like a Raúl or Figo or someone. Then I think I'm it, go, I'd go with Raúl. It is Raúl, seventy one yes. goals in one hundred and forty two games, which gives him a bang on average of fifty percent. That's pretty good. Which which is very which is very good. And as I mentioned, Reed Van Nistelrooy rounds off the top five. One thing that I was going to mention as I was scrolling down this list, Neymar scored thirty goals in forty nine appearances in the Champions League between Barcelona <sighs> and PSG. Which I don't care which team you're playing for. That's unbelievable as well. That's incredible. That's so good. And I still don't rate him that much. Um... <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not the best goal ratio out of all of them. The best goal ratio out of all of them, Gert Muller, scored 34 goals in 35 appearances. That, what? Yeah. That, that's ridiculous. That, that's stupid. Yeah, that, that was over eight years. He scored 34 goals in the Champions League, which is fair play. That's a very good, that's a very good yeah. goal. Of, good on him. <laughs> yeah, fantastic on him. But yeah, I just wanted to to mention that that Benzema because I thought that was I thought that was quite an interesting thing to round off our Champions League review episode. Yeah, um, I still perplexes me, but <laughs> it yeah, is. sure have it Good uh, on him. It is a weird one. Right before we go, as always, our Premier League review episode is next week. So we thought we'd run down a couple of the big games that were, or that are coming up, I should say, if my grandma was right, uh, that are coming up this weekend. Honestly, I've looked at all of the games and the only big game there is there is Tottenham Man City on the Monday. So that's the one we're going to talk about. Yeah. Well, what, what do you think is going to happen? Manchester City going to win. Solid. Thank you very much for listening to Game Time Extra. <laughs> I mean, I defy anyone to say differently. Um, they look really good at the moment, Man City. Um, just come off uh, like a really solid win against Shakhtar. Um, and, you know, Shakhtar aren't an easy team to go and play against. Because uh, they haven't... I think they, they, Shakhtar haven't lost a Champions League match at home for a ridiculous amount of time. Um, but no, I think, you know, they'll be full of confidence. Came off a good win last week in the Premier League. Um Mahrez's ridiculous goal, winning mm. 5-0. So, I mean, they just look too good and Tottenham in a bit of dire form at the moment. You know, maybe Larissa will go and two-foot Aguero in the head. Um, <laughs> I mean, that will stop him scoring. It will stop him scoring. It might also get Larissa sent to prison, um, <laughs> which is probably better for you, to be honest. You can play Gaz Niger and you might save some goals. Um, yeah. I, I don't see Tottenham being able to come past. I think... They might put up a bit of a fight, but I think City are genuinely just too good, too classy to uh, too classy for the Tottenham to stop. Too classy. Um, one thing that I was going to mention on that one, De Bruyne started in midweek mm. for Manchester City. Not good news for Tottenham because when he's in the City team, they just seem to tick that little bit more. 
But that was only his... I didn't realise this. That was only his first appearance since the final game of last season. His, lit- his first start? Sorry, yes. His first start since the, his yeah. final start last season. Like, they haven't suffered from it because they've looked really good. Like, think of midfield. Bernardo Silva slotted in there so nicely. Um, David Silva is still just a god uh, and is cementing his place as one of the Premier League's best ever players, let alone midfielders. And Fernandinho is playing really well as well. So they're, you know, great midfield still. And they're never going to suffer for goals, Man City. So, like, they genuinely haven't suffered. But it's going to come to tell when they start playing, you know, the important matches against Chelsea, Liverpool, um, where, you know, De Bruyne might make the difference. So, because it's not like they're missing his goals or anything. So, no. I mean, I think we all hope that, you know, De Bruyne, for like De Bruyne's sake that he gets back into it and comes back to the form that we've all seen him uh, over the past year and a half. But no, I just I don't see Tottenham at all standing up to them, especially if De Bruyne is in the side. Be an interesting game, no doubt. Ryan will have a lot to say on it come <laughs> come next week. So in that Tottenham have won their last four games, so they're in good form in the Premier League as well. Uh, other games that are of note, Manchester United take on Everton at Old Trafford. That's on the Sunday. Everton are above United in the table and have won their last three. So that could be... That could be, that could be really interesting. That, United need to win that desperately. Yeah, Lukaku against his old club as well. So that might be an interesting one. Uh, elsewhere, Crystal Palace take on Arsenal. Man, Arsenal just quietly doing the business. They're just, just slowly coming up the table. Won their last 11 now. Yeah, 11 all um, comps, 7 in the league. So, you know, they're looking good. Lacazette and Aubameyang finally starting to show what they can do. The assist that led to Aubameyang's second goal is one of the best passing moves I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's scary when Arsenal play that good because that's, you know, what everyone thinks of them before. So if they are playing that good, they can beat anyone. Exactly. And that bloody assist and goal cost me fantasy draft against Tom, who will, who will be <laughs> on the pod. I'm still top. Yes, you are still top. Thank you for getting that in. Uh, which, uh, only on goal difference. Only on goal difference. I, uh, I by like 50 points, though, so it's yes. fine. Yes, that still is true. Still solidly leading. Burnley take on Chelsea. That probably will be a Chelsea win, I'd imagine, in your I eyes. I so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to see some youth talent being played now. Hudson Adore is currently on the bench uh, as we're playing Bates. Um, <laughs> so hopefully we can, you know, I mean, talking comfortable of... enough, and I want to see William like kicked out the squad. But other than that, should be a solid win for us. I mean, it's going well so far this evening in terms of youth players. Yeah. Ruben Loftus Cheek scored twice in the space of eight minutes. Yeah. Two goals. Hudson Odoi is finally on the bench. Um... <laughs> is that is that genuinely a like a monumental thing that he's actually making it to the bench now? <laughs> Yeah, no, we're all like crying every time that he doesn't make the squad. So now he's actually on the bench and hope, I mean, he probably won't even get on. But, you know, hopefully I'm begging, just bring <laughs> him on for William for the love of God. <laughs> uh, other notable games. I mean, I'm not even going through notable games now. I'm just going through the entire fixture list for the weekend. Leicester West Ham, that could be an interesting one. That might be quite interesting. Watford Huddersfield, which I'm actually going to. So that, Ooh. so I'll, uh, I'll definitely be able to give an in-depth report on that one. Fulham live podcast from the stadium. I wish I could get the the equipment in there to do a live podcast. You wouldn't hear it. <laughs> you wouldn't hear anything. You'd just hear Huddersfield slash Watford fans just shouting. 
Yeah. Fulham, Bournemouth. Uh, Tom said that every time Bournemouth seems to come up against a team who are bang out of form, they get absolutely smashed. So, yep. unlucky if you're a Bournemouth fan, if that happens. Uh, Liverpool take... Actually, Fulham are looking rubbish, so... Yes. You know, Josh King and Callum Wilson could rip them to pieces. We'll have to wait and see. And I hope so for fantasy draft again. Uh, Liverpool take yep. on Cardiff. Cardiff, a really good result against Fulham last week. Never know what could happen there, especially with Neil Warnock. Man is mental. <laughs> Southampton take on Newcastle in what can only be described as the least impressive Exciting game. Exciting match of all time. I can only assume Southampton-Newcastle is going to thoroughly underwhelm. The only, the only way I could think of them making that much more exciting is literally playing it inside the House of Fraser. <laughs> like, just, like, they have to try and, to score, they have to try and dribble through the clothes aisle. Um, is the only way I could possibly think that make, more, make it more exciting. Just turns into um, a really weird game of supermarket sweep. Oh, no, LaSalle's has crashed into the makeup desk. <laughs> oh, also, where's throwback to Supermarket Sweep? What a TV show that was. <laughs> yeah. And to round off the weekend, in no particular order, Brighton take on Wolves. Brighton, as we've talked about in recent weeks, steadying the ship. Wolves, not so impressive against Watford last time out, but still having a decent season. There's your Premier League. Preview. There you go. So as long as Wolves don't go into bankruptcy in the next two weeks, I think they'll be all right. Um, <laughs> I, I tell you what, Fulham could, as a club, be destroyed if they get relegated. Oh yeah, they are done for. They will be. They'll do a Portsmouth if they get relegated. Um, they'll crash into League Two. Yes. Uh, like the, the only player they'll have is like they have to bring back Dimitar Barbatov or something. Oh, what a um, man! Yeah, but he's about 70 now, so I don't know how much he'll... like. He'll track back even less than he did when he was 25. He'd pr- um, probably run the same amount as well. Yeah, he'll just do it in a wheelchair instead. <laughs> he doesn't need one, he's just that lazy. <laughs> um, they can hire someone for on a massive wage and just push him around. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, oh, they, they're not bad going forward, Fulham. They're just really shit defensively. I think if you could take a sentence that summed up everything we said in the last pod, that one did it nicely. Yep. That's exactly what we said about Fulham. So that brings an end to our Champions League review slash mini Premier League preview episode on Game Time Extra. Tim, lovely to have you back as always. Thanks, Bradley. Let's not leave it too long, I should say, for next time's appearance. No, I won't. I'll be back next week, hopefully. That is good. I don't that know. Is... If we lose to Burnley, I might be there crying, so we'll never know. <laughs> Which will make the podcast even more entertaining. But for this week, um, unfortunately, you have been caught by the chaser, so you're out. <laughs> Customary handshake. Leave the studio. We'll be back next week with our Premier League review episode, most likely with a combination of some of the people on this pod, hopefully all of us. But until next week, have a fantastic weekend.